take a seat. <clears throat> and we're going to have our um, Bible reading now. It comes from John chapter 20. If you've got a church Bible, you'll find it on page 1089 of the uh, church Bible. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, I should be appearing on the screen behind me some, uh, some pictures. One of you uh, younger guys can tell me, um, what do these pictures um, show us? What do they signify? What have they all got in common? Any of you uh, children want to shout something out? What do you think of when you see these pictures? Power, power that's right, power. Different types of power. And um, electrical power we've got, the top left. Or brain power, mental power. And the power switch. And we've got in the bottom right, physical power. I think uh, him and me have something in common there. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not the muscles, no. Um, but what is, what is power? What is power? Power is really the ability to do something. Um, and if Good Friday is about the love of God, then Easter Sunday is about the power of God. So the ability of God to raise Jesus from the dead, never to die again, that is something that no one else has been able to do. And therefore the whole Christian faith rests on the resurrection. 
Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, he said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Well, we're going to be looking this morning at the power of God. We're also going to be looking at the power that the resurrection gives to God's people. Because Paul went on, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And that is what many people do, eat and drink, because tomorrow we will die. But if we believe in Jesus, we can receive the same power that transformed his disciples as a weak bunch of uh, scared people who are hiding after Jesus was crucified, into this brave force of confident apostles who are prepared to do anything and risk their lives for the sake of telling others about Jesus Christ. Well, we'll come back to that later, but first let's look at how the resurrection displayed the power of God. Here's some pictures coming up of uh, powerful people. Um, anybody know who this is? Probably not the younger ones now. So, shout out, anybody? Genghis Khan, that's right. Um, I think fourth. Genghis Khan. 12th, 13th century, historians will uh, correct me. The Mongol Empire, which I think stretched from China, Central Asia, Russia, uh, massive empire. This one here, anybody know? Alexander the Great, that's right, 4th century BC. Um, again, one of the, the largest empires in the world at that time. And uh, finally, a bit more recent, that's right, Adolf Hitler, young guns were done at school, I'm sure. Um, I think about 17 countries he conquered. Um, but whatever power they had, it didn't last that long. I think for Hitler and Alexander the Great, it was probably about 12 years. Um, for Genghis Khan, it was longer, about 42 years. But you know, given that it's been 2,000 years since Christ was on the earth, 42 years is not actually that long. Um, might seem long to you younger guys, but um, to those of us who passed it, it's come by, <laughs> by quite a bit. Um, it's not a, not a long time. But their power was often measured by countries they defeated, um, people they killed. And the way that people think that they can prove that they are powerful is often today, sadly, by killing people. And that is certainly what the religious leaders in Jesus' day also thought. Now, for them, they were jealous of Jesus, his popularity. They were worried that they might lose their own power. And so they came up with this plan to get rid of him. And when he was hanging on the cross there, they thought they had shown that they were more powerful than he was. This is what they said to him. They mocked him. They said, he saves others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Now, being on the cross is not one of those James Bond type of experiences where somehow he gets out of this um, incredible, um, unrealistic um, scene of about to die. Um, now, being on the cross meant you were going to die, even for Jesus Christ. There's no way that you could survive that. The Roman soldiers made sure of it. He was even half dead before he'd been put on the cross. And once he, he died, they took his body, put it in a tomb, put a stone across and put guards outside. And just think how his disciples would have felt at that time. You know, a week earlier, they'd been coming into Jerusalem, Jesus riding on a donkey, 
People putting palm leaves in front, throwing robes in front, welcoming this great new king. Think how the disciples would have been so pleased and proud. (coughs) But then, as the week went on, as they shared this last supper together, they would probably have begun to think, actually, something's not quite right here. Why is Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me? Where's he going to go? Why is he saying Judas is about to betray him? Why is he saying Peter is going to disown him? What is about to happen? Why is he saying he's going to go ahead of them to prepare a place for them in his father's house? And then as they go out to the garden to pray, it all starts to go very quickly. Judas arrives, he kisses Jesus, he's arrested. Peter gets out his sword and cuts off the ear of a soldier but (coughs) Jesus heals it. And then they fled. Scared for their lives, they run away. Peter, of course, followed at a distance. So people recognised him and he pretended he didn't know Jesus. And then before they knew it, Pilate had brought him out and said, who should I release? Jesus Christ or Barabbas, this convicted criminal? And the whole crowd whipped up was saying, Barabbas, we want Barabbas to be released. You can imagine the disciples maybe hiding in the crowd, but too frightened to say, no, actually, I'd like Jesus to be released. But then it was too late. He was taken away, he was flogged, he was crucified, and he died, and that was the end. Everything went dark for six hours. There was an earthquake. And then two men came, took his body away, put it in a tomb. The disciples, even though they'd been told several times by Jesus that this would happen, that he would die and then come again to life, they just didn't believe it. They couldn't see how this could possibly happen. And so, as Easter Day dawns, Mary Magdalene goes with the women to the tomb, not expecting anything really to happen. And what does she see? She sees the stone, that huge great stone rolled away, the tomb is empty, and she's thinking, what has happened here? Somebody's stolen his body. The last thing she expects is to meet Jesus himself. And so she, when she meets this man, she thinks, well, he's just a gardener. Until he says to Mary. And she finally realises that this is Jesus, that he's risen, he's no longer dead, he's alive. And later he appears to the disciples, to 500 at the same time. What Jesus' resurrection meant was that he wasn't just a religious teacher, he wasn't just a, a good man, a tragic hero. He was who he said he was. He was the son of God. As Paul wrote to the, the Romans, he wrote this, he wrote, he was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. His resurrection showed that he really was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. So, in his death, he really did take the punishment for all of us, for our sin. It meant that we could be made right with God. His death on Good Friday achieved the greatest victory the world had ever seen, but it was on Easter Sunday that that victory was proclaimed, it was celebrated. In the resurrection, God showed that he had the ultimate power, not just to take life away, but to give life. How can we know that power for ourselves? Well, we'll come back to that in just a short while, but first we're going to sing again and then Jeff's going to lead us in prayer.
So um, as the group gets together here, we're going to sing. And this one is a song in which um, we're saying we will trust in the cross of my Redeemer, of the blood that never fails, of sins forgiven, of conscience cleansed, of death defeated, and life without end.